0: You're listening to the Dental Giants Podcast, a podcast that inspires young dental students and professionals to strive for success in their field. My name is Pedro Masha, and I'm a current dental student seeking to learn the ins and outs of our profession. You don't have to reinvent the wheel to be successful. So I'm sitting down with dental professionals, or as I like to say, dental giants, who have shown excellence, passion, and success in their field. We're gonna be talking about their journey, the lessons they've learned, and how to make an impact subscribe now so you won't miss new episodes. And don't forget to follow us on Instagram at Dental Giants. It is my pleasure and honor to introduce my next guest to the Dental Giants podcast. Dr. Nader Nader Shahi is Dean of his alma mater at the University of Pacific Arthur A. Degoni School of Dentistry. After graduating dental school in 94, he has held several faculty positions in all areas of the curriculum, leadership roles as a group practice administrator, department chair, executive associate dean, and associate dean of academic affairs. Before becoming dean, he has owned and operated his own private general dentistry practice in San Rafael and San Anselmo, California, and his wife, Dr. Nilo Farad-Nadashahi, who is also a Pacific alumna. Dr. Nada Shahi holds a doctorate degree in education from Pacific's Bernard School of Education and has an MBA from Pacific's Eberhart School of Business. He is a fellow of the International and American College of Dentists, the Academy of Dentistry International, and the pierre Fatchard Academy. Dr. Nada Shahi was recently elected as Chair Elect of the Board in the American Dental Education Association. Dr. Shahi is honored to count Dr. Arthur A. Degoni as a mentor and friend, and is determined to continue growing the humanistic model of education that he experienced as a student by focusing on mutual respect, high standards, dignity, and self-worth. Dr. Shahi knows he's educating the future leaders in dentistry. Welcome to the Dental Giants podcast, Dr. Shahi. So how are you doing today? I'm uh,
1: doing really well. Thanks for having me on this bedroom. And um, uh, today's, I'm actually doing a little bit better better than uh, the the usual today because we're doing vaccinations today at the school for individuals with intellectual and developmental disabilities. And I think we may be one of the first sites in the country since this opened up to to target that community that doesn't have access to it. So it's just been so wonderful to see the, the parents and the caregivers and the patients who just wouldn't have gotten access to the vaccine. So the last hour I've had a big smile on my face under my mask, (laughs) uh, just knowing that our, you know, our, the school family is doing this for the community.
0: That's wonderful. That's wonderful. Um, And that's very exciting that we get to do that uh, vaccine clinic here at UOP. So that's, that's really exciting. So I wanted to start off and I asked all my guests this and um, just, I want to know what's your background and kind of how you grew up, what we were like as a kid, uh, where did you grow up? Did you get straight A's in school, and how did dentistry fall into your life?
1: That's a, there's a lot to unpack there. That's a <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, so well, you know, kind of in a in a nutshell, I was so I was I was born in uh, in Iran. I was born in Tehran, Ir- Iran. That's where my um, my family, both my parents, um, were from that area. And we came here to the United States when I was when I was uh, about six years old, and it was before the revolution and. It was more for education, educational opportunities for my my older brother and myself. So we moved out um, and came to the Bay, Bay Area initially. I I was in the North Bay. Um, I Had an uncle that lived over there and lived in the, lived in the North Bay. Lived in the East Bay for a little bit, and then we settled uh, pretty quickly in San Mateo, which is just south of San Francisco, where we are now. So most of my childhood, you know, most of grade school and middle school and high school, I went to school in San Mateo. Um, and then, um, you know, and I've been all over. I've been all over the world, and I've um, been all over this country. And I always, I always love love coming back here. You know, Bay Area is such a beautiful place, and California is such a such a great state. And I've always enjoyed being here. So, what was I like as a kid? Uh, I was, I was a pretty quiet kid. Um, you know, I in those. Uh, in those, uh, I, I've done lots of leadership programs, and you know, you do MBTIs. or other, I'm usually kind of would always come out on the introvert side. Um, so that's how you know, growing up, I was I was quieter. Um, I did get I did have good grades. It was uh, part of part of the expectation in the culture. My um, my mom was a um, high school English teacher in Iran before she came, so education was always really important for us. So I did I, I did have uh, straight A's, but I, I also was um, we can maybe talk about this a little bit later, I, I also was interested in some of the things like what you're doing uh, in high school, in kind of in starting in middle school and then going into high school, I was always very interested in leadership and learning more about that. So I started getting involved in student government as I went through. It was um, a little bit of a kind of a nerdy, nerdy thing, I guess, but I was class uh, uh, president in my freshman year. And then in my mind, I said, you know, I really want to learn about all the different Types of leadership roles, so I kind of made a point of holding all the different offices. So I was, you know, pre- president, and I was vice president, and secretary, and then student body treasurer. So I held all four of the all four of the roles. So I can learn a little bit about what you do in each of those. So
0: mm-hmm.
1: you know, I I studied, but I also like to learn um, a little a little more too. And then you know, like many of us, I you know, I was involved in lots of different sports. The main ones were um, soccer and uh, swimming um you know played baseball played football played basketball um, for a year or two but the ones I did consistently were um, soccer and then swimming through through high school
0: very nice and then when when dentistry kind of get into the picture
1: yeah so I after um after high school when I was at when I was at Cal my older brother Naveed was uh, he and one of one of his classmates were really interested in dentistry. They started shadowing some offices, and and we didn't, you know, we didn't have any, you know, any any dentists or physicians or anybody in our in our family. So um, he was the he was the first one to kind of have that have that interest, and he started looking at dentistry, looking at schools, and applied and came to University of Pacific. And when I was when I was at Berkeley, and he's you know a smart older brother. He he knew the things that I like. You know, I used to I used to coach swimming and other things, and I used to really like. I ran a swim school when I was in high school and he knew I liked working with people and and he knew in undergrad I was studying biology and art. So like you know, a lot of sculpture and things like that. He's like, hey, you got to come and visit me at the school. So I'd I'd come over here and he'd be up in the lab working and he'd say, Here, I'm doing this wax. See if you can carve this tooth out of this wax and give it to me while they're doing (laughs) things. I remember thinking, hey, this is great. it's you know, you're you're just sitting here playing and you're, you know, you get to do art and and be able to help people and use the, the biological side of it. So he's it was actually um, my older brother that got my interest in dentistry started um, when I was in college.
0: Oh, amazing. So he was basically kind of like your mentor.
1: Yeah, I mean, he's uh, I've always looked up to him. He's just the kind of person he is. And he, he certainly is one of uh, one of my mentors.
0: Mm-hmm. Awesome. So so now you're in dental school and you're going through all the classes at UOP. Um, fast through your program and you know did you always know you kind of wanted to become dean when you were in dental school or what was the plan after graduation?
1: So uh, short answer is no <laughs> I didn't um, so in dental school it was actually very much the same I, I was involved in um, student leadership and a lot of different organizations I was class president my uh, first year and um, and I was also student body graduate as, as well so I I, my plan was to go out and practice, you know, I wanted to be a great dentist um, and I wanted to take care of my patients and, and technically be, you know, be at the top of our, of our game. And, and I was not thinking even about um, education seriously when I was in, when I was in school. So to give you a sense, some people, uh, it's funny because a lot of people will ask me that. And I certainly um, always give the advice of, you know, Set your goals and have the direction you want to go. But life is also about preparation and doing your best, and doors open and opportunities come, or you suddenly find interests and passions so that you didn't even know you, you had. So, this was not in my long term plan um, mm. at all <laughs> when, I, when I was going through dental school.
0: Yeah. And then your brother became periodontist. And were you interested in that as well?
1: No. So, when I was, um, when I was in school, he went to Oregon Health Sciences to do his perio. He actually did the residency at uh, Union City before he, mm. he did that. Um, he did his perio. I was not interested in perio specifically, but I had I wasn't sure if I wanted to specialize when I was in dental school. So I I thought about kind of had an interest in endo, kind of had an interest in oral surgery, some different parts of it that I liked doing uh, a lot of general dentistry. So that was part of the reason why um, I did a GPR. I you know, instead of going straight into, since I didn't know if I wanted to specialize, I said, well, let me, let me take another year and get some more advanced training. So I did the, the Palo Alto VA um, GPR, and it was just a great experience. The, The time I spent in the hospital working with spinal cord injury patients, working with really complex medical cases, you know, every root canal was calcified, you know, you know, complex, restorative, removable type cases that we were doing. We did ortho, we did, surgeries. I mean, there was a lot of work that we did in that residency and that gave me an opportunity to really test all these things out. And what was interesting uh, for me was that it showed me that I really loved the diversity of general dentistry. So it actually helped me decide to stay in general, you know, th- that I wanted to be a general dentist because I loved doing full mouth rehab cases and doing, you know, fixed removable combo cases or implants and and doing endos and doing you know some some surgeries along along with it so i liked that Mm. complexity of it so doing the during the residency helped me focus on the fact that i wanted to stay in general general dentistry actually and do the do that work
0: awesome so you did your gpr program and then did you go straight into private practice
1: yeah so when i was in my gpr i started looking at practice opportunities i knew i wanted to have my own um, my own practice so Started looking at a few different um, practices for sale, associateships. Um, went, you know, went on a few few interviews and didn't quite find the right fit until um, we got to the point where we found the practice that I ended up uh, purchasing. And um, but mm-hmm. you know, so you know, my wife is also a dentist, so we we actually purchased that practice together. And my brother did, did Perio in the practice, and I, it was something you know I always wanted to work with him at least for a little while, and mm-hmm. it was great to be able to to do that. Um, so that, so the transition, I ended up not doing associate chips and I just jumped right into uh, practice ownership right away, purchased an office and, you know, kind of after, you know, after a little while, you make the systems your own and and you you create the kind of environment you want. Um, and then eventually we, we, um, we uh, bought a building and then built an office, built a practice too. So I had a chance, you know, I had a little experience with uh, buying and buying and growing a practice and then also building one from scratch and doing, doing mm. that side of it, which was, you know, which was also a lot of fun.
0: So that probably sparked your interest in more of the business side, right? And so we say it sparked your interest in the business side. Is that why you ended up pursuing an MBA?
1: Yeah. So I, I always had a little bit of an interest on the business side of it and, and we, we get a really great education and practice management and the business foundation As you know, that, you know, a lot of what we had started bringing some folk, external folks into the, to the um, practice management course and learning more about business plans and how you look at contracts, all of that. So I felt comfortable with that, but I wanted to have a broader understanding of it. And I was also very interested on the, um, in the financial management piece. Right? How do you manage your finances? How do you how do you invest? How do you kind of help your team and um, not just your own family, but more broadly? So when I was, um, we do a lot of uh, we do a lot of programs for faculty and staff here at the school um, to help them grow in, in different areas. And that was an opportunity when I was uh, just starting out teaching a day a week. Um, so I had, you know, bought to practice. Um, our uh, uh, early Smith, who was the course director for Renewable Prosthodontics, he, um, he asked me if I wanted to come back and uh, teach one day a week. And that's how kind of that, that started. I was teaching a day a week. And then mm. there's business course became available as an opportunity for fact for faculty and staff members and so i had that interest i said hey you know what i'm going to take advantage of this and it was a four year mba mba program um, which i did and that was uh, and that was great and what it did is you know it's a lot of a lot of what you need to you know organizational behavior financial management man, you know even things like just in time ordering for supplies how do you make sure you're not you know, you're, you're, you're putting your money exactly in the right places in your business, things that I wouldn't have, it it would have taken me a few years to learn that really helped me get that foundation. And of course, you know, maybe you'll ask me about this later, but you know, with what I'm doing now and the additional education I've, I've had has been incredible because one of, one of the things that you want to always do in life, whether you're in leadership roles or not, is, you know, creativity, innovation, growth occurs at the overlap of, of different disciplines, right? So the more mm. a perspective and lens you have from different disciplines where they come together, that's where you can really see something unique and and, and really advance the profession or advance your practice or advance how you're managing, managing it. So having the overlap of um, those different educational experiences has really helped me see the organization in a very different way.
0: Yeah, interesting. And then yeah, that, that ties into getting your doctorate degree of uh, education. So yeah, my my question would be: Is do you currently use um, both of those degrees as dean? Is it to your benefit, or would those degrees kind of not matter for the position you're in?
1: Yeah. So the um, so the education degree, my interest in that um, when I when I was um, in my role as the associate dean for academic affairs, I'm working with all the different department chairs and looking at our curriculum. I wanted to make sure, just like we want to use evidence based. Um, decision-making in our dental practice. I wanted to have the same thing when it comes to the educational side of what we do, because our, you know, we spend so much time developing our faculty because you can be, we can have the very best practitioner, but that doesn't mean you're the best teacher, right? I mm-hmm. want to make sure we have the best practitioners and the best teachers, So that, and I wanted to make sure I myself was modeling that. And I understood what the science behind education and, you know, the latest in androgoge adult learning, what those theories are. And What's been tested and what may work better for our students, and and that um, that was a great experience for me, and that led into some of the curricular broader curricular reforms with our helix curriculum, and really looking at how do we create an educational program for adult learners, which our dental students are adult learners, mm-hmm. that helps them uh, engage at a higher level and helps apply what they're learning to their practice, which ultimately they're going to do. So, um, so that so that was and that role was really important and. In my role now as dean they're um they're both very important because we you know i'm, I'm responsible for an 80 million dollar budget and we have um, you know there's roughly 1200 people within our organization and so having an understanding from the mba side of organizational behavior financial management um, a lot of that comes into play every day and i can help help grow our leaders our department chairs and others and provide support for them and then the educational side really understanding um, you know why why we're doing things and making sure that we're we're providing the best learning opportunities for our students and bringing in right. educational technologies as 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 you've seen, you know we're always looking at okay, how do we create some some really interesting online uh, you know assets for student learning experiences and, and others and a lot of that comes from having that foundation, which I think helps helps me and helps all of us in the organization.
0: Right, yeah, absolutely. and UPs UOP's, UOP's um, curriculum is actually pretty pretty innovative and I really like that. That's awesome. So do you still practice dentistry, general dentistry at all?
1: No, I don't. Unfortunately, I um, I, I, I miss it. But when I came into this role uh, uh, formally, it was just, I, you know, I don't have the time to be there, be available for my patients and to, you know, have to have emergencies and stay connected with them and follow up in the kinds of cases that I was doing. So I it, it, it would, wouldn't have been appropriate for me to continue.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, that makes sense. All right. So just briefly, I wanted to ask you this next question. You know, pre-COVID, uh, how is running a three-year dental program any different from like a traditional four-year dental program?
1: So um, it's having a three-year dental program is different because of the pace of the work, not only not only for the students, but for the faculty and staff. So maintaining that, that high, high level and that high pace of learning and making sure that everything is sequenced appropriately, you don't have unnecessary redundancy and you're you're pushing um, the learners um, in the system, whether it's a dental student or our residents and hygiene students, I'm kind of looking broadly at this, um, but the three year we're talking about our DDS program, Mm. that takes a lot lot of effort and it takes a a unique perspective for everyone coming in to understand um, what our goals are and where our standards are for excellence um, for Mm -hmm. the students. So that, so there's that, there's that piece of it, which is the operational piece. Then what I think is, and you know, maybe I'd ask you this question as a, as a student, what I think is more, almost more important is the culture, right? It's that old, you know, culture, eat strategy for lunch or breakfast, depending on which quote, you know, whose who's quote you're listening to. If you, if you don't have the right, right culture, you can't maintain that high level of um, excellence and productivity and work on the student and the faculty side. So there, there has to be the support. There has to be the culture that people feel like I can push myself, and if I make a mistake, you know, we'll learn from it and we'll be able to move forward, right? So, um, so that you know, that's a that's a, been a very important part of uh, maintaining the three-year program. I think it's, I think it's the right thing to do because it allows our students to, you know. So I had a just using my own example, I went through a three year program and I had one year of residency and the experiences I had there just wouldn't compare to having just gone through dental school for four years because of what I was able to learn during that time. And it didn't take additional time out of life, Right. So Mm. that's time is one of our most valuable assets. Right. Um,
0: Right. Right.
1: Whether it's with family, whether it's with work, whether it's through, you know, activities that we like to do. Um, so we, you know, being able to get that, that there's, you know, it's hard to put a price tag on.
0: Right. Yeah. Awesome. So let's talk a little bit about um, Dr. Arthur Adegoni. Uh, what was it like kind of carrying his legacy? And can you speak a little bit about his influence or his mentorship on you becoming Dean?
1: Yeah, he's, um, he was a, uh, he was a great influence on, on me as he was, as he was with a lot of uh, students that went through this program here and, and others as well. And, and a lot of it was just who he was and how he approached uh, his work and and people he um, you know we we're talking about mentors and and you know we were talking about my my brother there are two there are two people in my life that probably I would put up there at the very very top i've had lots of great mentors and role models and people that um, I've learned from and continue to but my my mother and and uh, artigone were um, two individuals that i i feel have shaped who i am uh, significantly. And one on a personal side, one on the professional side. And, uh, inter- interestingly, they're, they're the type of people there were, their values, um, were very similar. Uh, you know, it's, they, they both put others first, help lift everybody around them up were always encouraging, um, always had, you know, expected you to be better. Um, but did it in a way that you knew they were there to help, help you. And, uh, and help you know help, help you push through any challenges you may have, and you know my mother did that for us as a family. I saw her do this broadly for cousins and relatives and other issues was always there, but it was always um, you know having a very high standard, but just you know, human, you know our humanistic culture right the like this you hear me talking about this family so much because that's how I felt when I came yeah. school here, part of that was because of art hopefully on continuing to nurture that and strengthen that culture, that humanistic educational environment and that sense of family. But they were, you know, they were both very, very similar. And I, and it's, you know, I, I I, am, hopefully you'll have many opportunities like this in your career. It was, it was um, really wonderful as I was going through, he was very encouraging in my entry into education, but also getting this position, he was, you know, he was very supportive and we would, you know, we would sit down and talk and, and it's, it's just such a privilege to be able to spend time with someone like that. And, you know, he'd say, you know, uh, he'd say, you know, N- Nadair, I don't, I don't, I don't think I could be Dean today with all the things that you have to deal with. And, and I, and I tell him, I said, look, you're, you, you would have done it because you would have figured out a way you would, you would have learned. It's just everyone kind of at a different time in an organization's life. And, but being able to continue to spend some time with him and, and
0: mm-hmm.
1: have that support and feel that sense of pride that he had in me as one of his students and now, Carrying on the legacy in the school—that's, um, you know, that that meant that means a lot. That meant a lot to me, and um, and it's been great to be able to celebrate him, and we, and we will, and he and he knows that his, we'll continue his legacy. The school's named after him, and there'll always be a little bit of um, who he was and the kind of environment that he developed that lives on through all of us. And, and we do that, right? So you create an environment with all of your friends and your patients and everyone that you work with. You'll continue to do that. You know, we, we all continue to kind of build on. You know, you've you've um you've seen on the first floor when when we walk in, there's a there's the pictures of the dean. You've you seen the quote that's next to it.
0: Yep. Yeah.
1: Yeah. The, the, <laughs> so if, you know that, I I had the team put that up, and it, and there was there was a reason because I think about that a lot. So you know, if I've mm-hmm. seen whether it's by standing on the shoulders of giants, and and these are the people that come before us are are giants, right? archangelists right. today, not just someone like Art Artiguni or the deans that we've had, you know, or any sloman or others, but the people you interact with, the, you know, whoever you whoever's office, you went into shadow, they are, you know, they're your giants, they're the ones that helped you see the profession, they're the ones that helped you maybe expand beyond what their vision was, right, because you were able to right. see a little bit further. And, and so it's, uh, so it was great to, you know, have, you know, have him as one of uh, one of the giants in my life.
0: Right. Absolutely. And I'm glad you said that because a whole part of this podcast too is based on that quote. And, uh, I love to share stories and, uh, kind of the successes of some of these giants like yourself. So the pandemic has kind of hit us all in different ways. It's overwhelmed us, it's challenged us and even exhausted us at times. I can't imagine the difficulty in running a dental school during the pandemic. So what do you do or, um, or did you do, you know, when you, when you become overwhelmed, unfocused, or, you know, lost focus temporarily? If helpful, um, what questions do you ask yourself?
1: Yeah, that's a really great question. You know, this pandemic, as you said, has hit everyone um, in so many different ways, Um, mentally, physically, financially, right? And, and when you think about our local, you know, whether it's our, whether it's the family here at the school, the faculty, staff, students, alums, patients, that, that were privileged to treat how they were affected, or broadly um, across across the country, what's been happening, and and across the, the globe. It's hard not to let that um, get to you. So, you know, it's 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 remembering what you have control over as you go through, and then taking taking action and taking and making some steps forward, right? Um, journey of a thousand miles must begin with a single step, right? Is that, that, mm-hmm. that old, that old tiny proverb. And, and so when the pandemic hit, I've shared, you know, I've shared this with, you know, our, our crisis management team in several groups. I remember that. I remember the day when we made the decision to shut everything down and go remote. San Francisco was doing that. And
0: mm-hmm.
1: I felt sick to my stomach because I mean, I, I, literally Pedro, I've, I've felt the weight of every single member of this family. Mm and their family members and their safety, the education of our students and residents and the livelihood of all of our employees and faculty and, and everyone. It was, uh, you know, so you feel that, but then you start saying, okay, what are our values? Who are we and how can we, how can we address this? And then, then you start looking at, okay, what do we have control over? What, you know, what can we do? Let's start planning for, as soon as we're able to come back, how do we do that? How do we phase that return? Make sure our students are getting the education that they're we're able to take the boards and be successful and enter practice that people are staying safe when they're in the building, that we can give our patients and keep them out of the hospital. And so you start asking those questions and you start taking those steps and then it makes you feel better, right? And then it gives you more energy. Mm-hmm. And what I found, which has been just incredible, this is, uh, you know, this, in some ways, I you know, it's, it's it's great that you're having these conversations now because people talk about leadership all the time crisis leadership is something that's neglected because it's, you know, it's it's hard to contextualize it. It's hard to talk about it. Usually people will talk about, you know, the type of leader you are, styles or organizations going through different, you know, different type, you know, the growth or, you know, what, rebuilding, whatever it may be. But in a in a crisis, um, leadership matters. What you say matters, how you do things matters, the way you show up matters, right? And And it's been so incredible to see, how uh, people have come together. Once you start saying, "Okay, these are our challenges. Let's solve them together." Seeing our students step up, our faculty or staff, or you know, you know, every, everyone, our alums coming in. Um, you know, the vaccine clinic. You know, we're we're the first non-public health clinic to do vaccines in in the city and county of San Francisco, at the dental school, I and mean, we're not part of the big health science center. Right. And this is this is just people wanting to address the problem and and um, you know face it head on. Right. So. So that's, you know, that's been, um, for me, that's been what's driven me and gotten me excited is just seeing how everyone is stepping up and how um, I can help support and, and, you know, guide the team and, and make sure that we're continuing to work through it. And and then, you know, and then when our, you know, when, when we have the first students taking the mannequin-based exams and our pass rates, you know, 97, 97 plus percent, it, you know, those are the rewards right now they're going out and practicing and they're able to go on with their lives right and, and so right. the team feels good about it. But when we you know we have people that are coming in in tears because they didn't know if they could get a vaccine and they're coming to the dental school for that you know that mm-hmm. those are those are the rewards and you know in leadership where you know it's not it's not money it's not um any any specific award but it's seeing the outcomes of what the the team does, and for me, that's that's been the driver. And and personally, it's you know what you what you find, especially during times where it's really busy like this, is you learn to really quickly focus and have a few moments of clearing your mind. Right? Mm-hmm. You sit down. You're feeling a little stressed. Take a few. You know, I'll just I'll just take a few take a few breaths. Um, what do I need to do right now? Let's let's focus on that. If there's if there's a lot of things coming, let's make sure we're we're addressing it you know, getting some exercise if I, you know, it if I can. And, um, you know, even if it's a, even if it's a little bit, a few times a week, um, that always, that always clears my head. I used to be swimming. I don't swim as much anymore, but
0: mm-hmm. know, I'll get,
1: on, I'll get on the bike or do something like that.
0: Yeah. You're currently standing. Is that right?
1: I am. Yeah.
0: <laughs> do you, you, do you always usually do your, uh, interviews, um, standing?
1: I actually, um, here I'll, I'll show you. So since, since, <laughs> since, since, since we're doing this, I I, I got this little table.
0: Um, oh, nice! The standing desk table.
1: Yeah, and it can and it goes up and down, so I can I can set it up to to sit. But but it's it's great. Not you know, there's just you're just sitting so much. So I will do I, I do almost all my meetings um, here like like this. So it's mm-hmm. not just you, but I do my Zoom <laughs> meetings or other other things. Um, and you know, sometimes I'll sit, but usually I'll stand.
0: Right. That's great. That's awesome. So we were talking a little bit about leadership and one question I have is what's a piece of leadership advice you were given that's so great or so crappy that you need to warn us about?
1: (laughs) Yeah, the one, you know, the one thing um, that I, you know, that I think it was Abraham Lincoln's quote, the best way to predict the future is to create it. Um, I don't know if I'm getting that exactly right. You can, (laughs) you can fact check me on, on that, but that, (laughs) You know, that's something that early on um, I learned about leadership. That's that's important because it's so it's so easy to see the see the barriers, but not see the opportunities, right? And as a leader, that's part of the role is to help people see what's possible and what's you know, reminding people to look up, especially during times like this, right? It's so easy to just have your head down and kind of okay, what do I need to do next? And what do I need to do next? I forget to look up, look out at the horizon. Um, so that you know, and when you do that, then you can think about how you can create that future, right? And right. So for me, that's always that's always been uh, a driver. It's always about what's possible, what can we do, how can we solve um, these challenges that are that are before us. Um, I don't know uh, uh, advice that was so bad that uh, <laughs> that they not do it. You know, I there, there's been. And and maybe this comes with some of the conversations that we're starting to have more, um, at least nationally, but globally, some some countries maybe are, are a little further ahead in the conversation than we are. But leadership leadership here, as we're looking at diversity, different types of leaders, whether it's gender, you know, backgrounds that that folks have, mm. we've defined it. We used to define leadership in a very um, specific way, right? It was kind of the hard charging, you, you know, someone that commands the room when they come in and, and they're the center of attention. And that, you know, that there was always a lot of like, you know, as, as a leader, you need to go out there, you know, you have, you have to be heard or your voice needs to be the one that's, that's in the room.
0: Yeah.
1: Authoritative. It was, that was, that was very much the, 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 dri- the drive in terms of um, kind of what mm-hmm. a good leader is. And we're starting to see that that's actually not maybe true all the time and it's not sustainable all the time. So, um, you know, you can, you can be a leader who leads by encouraging from behind and supporting people and allowing that growth and get more done. Right? right. And someone that has to make all the decisions or has to be the, you know, quote unquote, suck the air out of the room when they, when they walk in because it's all about them as the, as the mm-hmm. leader. That's, and that's something that I think we, we, um, we kind of learn early that is important as a leader to, to do. And, um, and it's not, frankly, you know, I, you know the, one, of the, one of the biggest roles of the leader is to create more leaders, not more followers, right? So if, I, if, right. if we had an organization where everybody was just waiting to be told what to do, I can guarantee you, we wouldn't have done two thirds of the things that we've done to face the challenges of the last year. Yeah. It's because people are empowered and they're taking leadership and they're being supported and they're allowed to make mistakes, right? Mm -hmm. so not everything is not everything is going to work and not everything's going to be right but if you don't challenge yourself and you don't push yourself and and you don't take any risks and there's no there's no growth and so right so i think it's you know that's something that i that i learned is you know there isn't this one definition of the leader you may have someone that's really quiet speaks rarely but can change the direction in a positive way for the organization or Mm -hmm. for your staff in your office or team and you know whatever type of a organization you're
0: in right? that's some great insight thanks for sharing that Mm -hmm. and a lot of that too is part of the culture at uop it's ingrained in in digoni culture so that's wonderful so what advice would you give a smart driven dental student just about to enter the real world and what advice uh, should they ignore
1: yeah so everybody's going to give opinions right um and they'll be from coming from different directions, you know, and, and, and almost all of them are going to be well-intentioned. Or maybe some won't, but um, the, the biggest, the biggest piece of advice, and I and I say this to um, applicants when I have a chance to kind of jump into one of those the, the conversations with applicants zoomed these days, but normally it would be in person. Is to remember what drove you to this profession. What was that? You know, what's your passion? What made you want to go into oral healthcare, mm-hmm. and don't lose that um it's really easy to lose touch with that and get caught up in the technical or the financial or some political piece of you know practice or whatever whatever it may be and um and if you always stay connected to what your passion was that drove you to the to the profession you'll be successful and you'll enjoy what you're doing mm-hmm. um, and you'll find you know you'll find a way to to, you know the people that you know if you came in and you wanted to make a difference and you wanted to help a community and or whether it's specific communities or just broadly and and do that in certain ways keep doing that right stay connected with that um, and then you'll love your job it's not going to feel like oh i got to i got to go deal with this situation uh, you know we have these these things that are happening here everything has a has a purpose and you you've noticed that this at UOP at the Goni school we have we have a purpose statement it's a statement of purpose instead of a mission statement it's a it's kind of that broader why of our existence right and we have some really clear values and if everything you do falls back on what your purpose is as an individual or as an organization and you center yourself back to what your values are if you feel like you're going off track a little bit you're going to end up where you want it where you want it to be right and you're you'll stay connected to that passion you'll stay connected yeah. to you're brought your broader purpose so so, you know, you're going to be tugged in a lot of different directions. There's the financial um, pressures that are on uh, young graduates that are coming out of school right now, which I'm, I'm hoping, maybe that's a different, different podcast. I'm, I'm hoping that we can find <laughs> bigger, bolder solutions to um longer term that, that we can drive toward. But, uh, you know, that's there. You have to manage it. But don't, don't forget mm. why you came into this profession and, and what your passion is.
0: Don't forget your why. Yeah, oh. that's great. So we're coming down to the last few questions, and I was curious, um, in your eyes, what's it look like for a general dentist five to 10 years away from now?
1: Yeah, um, I, think, I think we're going to continue to see an acceleration of um, technologies that are available to us in dentistry, which, is, which have been great and, and is great. Um, our ability to um, diagnose will be enhanced with with technology, whether whether it's as simple as um, machine learning, artificial intelligence uh, helping with diagnosis of caries or, or or other types of heart tissue or soft tissue lesions um, with the mm-hmm. with the scans that we're that we're doing, salivary diagnostics, um, not just for oral health conditions, broader broader conditions are are going to start becoming more part of our practice, and and what I see that leading to is. I see the, the um, you know, the integration of oral health and overall health, that's, you know, we've been talking about that. We've been teaching right. that in the school and, and other schools are starting to do the same things. Um, and so that's moving, but what this pandemic showed us is how important that is, you know, and there's mm. more and more studies coming out now that, that or, you know, oral tissues and saliva and the role that it plays with COVID, inflammation and your ability to resist resist, um, you know, COVID and maybe not end up in hospital or not end up on a ventilator. So there's everything, as we know, the mouth is connected to the body, right. And, and our graduates will play a leadership role in that conversation and on the oral health care team. So mm. initially, I mean, there'll still be a lot that'll go into practices that are oral health focused, dental, you know, dental offices, whether it's a solo practice or group, but you'll be working more and more closely with our other healthcare colleagues, whether it's physicians or PAs or nurses or pharmacists or others that, that you pull into the team, you're going to be um, sharing electronic health records. You're going to be working more closely together. And that's going to benefit not only the patient, but it will benefit your understanding of how you can treat that patient better. And and what it will ultimately do, I hope, in in that time period that you laid out is is because of that understanding, we'll suddenly get this third of the adult population that hasn't been coming in to have the oral healthcare taken care of across this country, right. understand the importance of it and be a part of it. So the the amount of the amount of work that and as hygienists, you know, the teams you know, broad, broadly um, within the profession will have will, will go up because people will realize the importance of oral health and how it can actually prevent disease, keep them healthier, mm. or the costs, you know, overall expenditures in healthcare across this country. Um, but, you know, it, it, would, it would initially I think it would give um, more of an opportunity for our graduates to be leaders in that. So going yeah. in, thinking that way, and again, it's um, the sense of looking up and forward instead of down or backwards. Right. You know, that, you know we're, um, I, I've been using the term that as we come out of this pandemic, we're, we're going to work together to identify the next norm. We're mm. not going back to normal. We kind of had this new normal kind of in the in the middle, but what's that next normal for a profession? I see that as something right. that's actually really exciting because of the opportunities that it will provide for for oral healthcare providers and broadly, uh, but also the leadership that you know you will play in in that as a graduate.
0: Right. Awesome. Yeah. Um, more towards an integrated healthcare system in the future. Yeah. Wonderful. All right. So I have some fun little questions for you. Um, and you've kind of talked a little bit about quotes. Um, but, uh, what's, what's like a, a quote that you kind of live by or you think about most often?
1: Yeah. As you, as, as you know, I really like quotes and I share, I share them a lot. So
0: <laughs> <laughs> I'm the same way to be honest.
1: Yeah. So, so, you know, you've, you've, you've seen the quote that, um, I have on my email email signature. Yep. Uh, and it's it, it's an Aristotle quote that um, we all will be repeatedly do. Excellence then is not an act, but a habit. I'm a big fan of building habits of excellence. Um, mm. You know, how do you, when you wake up in the morning, how do you start your days, right? How do you, um, how do you address your team? How do you, set, you know, when you send an email, is it just a one line, you're telling somebody what you want them to do, or is it, more of a personal connection that's 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 part of it right so Mm -hmm. all all of these things the way the way you speak to people the way you are inclusive or you're not right all all of these are habits that we build so um Mm -hmm. i I talk about us having a relentless pursuit of excellence in everything that we do in our programs you can't do that if you're not building habits of excellence right so um so that's why that that quote for me is really important and i and i have it on my on my email it's a you know, if somebody does something, do you do you thank them, right? Uh, whether it's someone in your team, I, I I um you know share a story. I remember this was early on, and early on in practice, I had um one of our um one of our team members. She she told me thank you. like you Dr. You're 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 so you're so nice. I just wanted to thank you. I said why? She's like you know you you thank me for things that are part of my job, I've never, nobody's, you know, I've been in, you know, in dentistry for, I don't know, it was 15 years, I think, or something, I can't remember, but no one's ever done that before, but it was something mm. like, you know, thanks. Thanks. That case went really well. I mean, it might've been a simple operative procedure or something, but mm. they're a part of that. Right. So those are, right. those are habits. It didn't cost me anything. Right? right. But it made a difference for her and it was a, it was a big deal. So, you know, do you, do you do that? You know, what kinds of habits are you building for yourself? Um, so that yeah, that's I mean it's kind of a I don't know maybe it's a, maybe it's a little bit hokey but it it, seems <laughs> it matters it matters for me.
0: Yeah no that's a wonderful quote I love that quote. Um, all right so this is kind of a kind of an abstract kind of fun one. If you had a billboard and you wanted to get a message out, what would you say and why? It could be quotes, sayings, pictures.
1: Yeah so I um there's probably a lot of things so, so there's a um, maybe I'll maybe I'll use. A, use a quote. I'm um, thinking about a couple. One one is um, a Churchill quote. We we make a we make a living by what we get, hmm. but we make a life by what we give. Hmm. And when we come into the healing professions, we're you know a lot of. I mean, I see it. I see it in every single applicant, every single student. You have so much to give, right? Hmm. And and sometimes people forget that and about what can I get right so what's the salary or what's in it for me and that's society has kind of shifted a little bit to yeah you make a living by what what you what you get but what kind of life are you you know what kind of mark are you leaving on this world what kind of mark are you leaving on the lives of the patients who you're privileged to to touch or your family members or you know if you're involved in organized ministry, you know I've made a point and again because of the mentoring and leadership that I had you know whether it's at the CDA level, ADA, being involved in organized dentistry, being on committees, being in the House of Delegates, doing those things, and what are you giving, right? Um, mm. So I, li- so I really like that, like that Churchill quote. And of course, um, you know, fundraising is a big part of what a dean does. It fits into that too, because we would not be able to have the kinds of programs or the scholarships right. that we have if we didn't have graduates saying, you know what, this school and this profession has given me a lot. I want to give something back to the next generation. I want to build. Mm. I want to give money to a scholarship. I want to give money to a program that would help future generations, right? And touch, right. touch there a lot. And that's part of what you what you give. So that, you know, I put that on the billboard um, because I want us all to remember it's um, it's both ways. It's not just what you're getting out of out of something, but what you what are you giving back and what you right. what are you paying right.
0: for? I love that. All right. So last final question. You know you do a lot of things as Dean and kind of for the profession, what makes your heart beat the fastest, you know, what gets you the most excited about your job?
1: That's a good question. Um, yeah, it's, you know, it, it's all, it comes back to the people for me. It it really does. It's, um, you know, I always, I always talk about organizations and the three lenses, right. It's, it's, um, you have the people, the programs, and the place, right? So it's, you, have, you have the facilities and the place, and then you have the type of programs you have in there, and then you have the people that are part of it, right? And that's the heart of any organization, the heart of our culture, the heart of, what gets me excited is, you know, I've seeing, seen our students learn, you know learning something or they graduate in excitement with their families and hearing about what they're doing. You know, we had one of our grads from 10 years ago come back and he's just doing these incredible, surgeries now and 3D 3D print, printing parts of what they're doing. And they're, you know, helping these folks that have been in the military that have these large cancers. You mm-hmm. know, that, and, you know, seeing him when he started as a first year and then graduating and the surgical expertise he has and the innovation that he's putting into care that's cutting months off of, you know, surgical time or recovery time. And that's, you know, that's exciting. I'm not doing it, but, you know, we helped maybe facilitate that learning, right? And, and we were a part of that, so that you know, that's something that I got from my my mom, who was a who was a teacher. Um, I hear the stories about how she would help her students, just you know, personally, and not just in the classroom. And you know, she didn't get anything from that, but what she got was that excitement of seeing the growth in the in the other the other individuals or the families. And, and so for me, that's that's just what's really exciting. Or you know, or, and it's not just for the students seeing our Seeing our faculty develop as they're going through, they become better educators, lecturers, they become leaders out in, you know, whether it's their organized specialty or at IDEA, and they're making presentations and being recognized for that, or our staff that are, you know, doing amazing things or volunteer work. So it's, it, that, yeah, that, that for me is um, the excitement, you know, what gets me up in the morning and what. Yeah. It makes it exciting just being able to be a part of that and and helping remove barriers and create resources right that allows allows you to do even more and you know you know i share with some of the some of the applicants when they come through my hope is that when someone comes and joins the county school family they think mm-hmm. that they're going to have a certain type of life or they're going to be able to do certain things my hope is that that expands right that they're they're they realize that they're able to do a lot more than what they even thought they were. able Right. Mm. And that, that's for students, that's for faculty and staff. So, so you kind of multiply this, this sense of what you think your capacity is or what you think what you're able to achieve would, would be or might be.
0: Yeah, that's wonderful. Dr. Nader you've shared a lot of good insights, a lot of good messages and amazing quotes. So I really, really appreciate um, you taking the time to chat with me and, uh, Um, This was great. And I appreciate you, you know, um, sharing some of those messages for, you know, future dental professionals and students that are just entering the real world. Um, It's, it's wonderful to get to know your journey and, you know, I I appreciate all that time. So, you know, that's all the questions I had for you. And um, do you have any other kind of uh, final messages, final words you want to share?
1: I'll just say um, thank you for, um, the time you had you had some really great questions. This was this was a lot of fun. And um you know if, if some of these conversations can touch the life of you know one or one or two people that are listening then then it makes it worthwhile. And I just want to um congratulate you for thinking about doing this and you know just seeing you grow as a as an individual in the time that you've been here at the school and and I'm just, you know, smiling, seen you smiling, but I'm smiling because I just think about what you'll be able to achieve in your career and kind of knowing, you know, all the places that, that you'll go. And that's, that's really exciting. So thanks for the Thanks for the opportunity. I'm happy to do it. And thank you for, for creating this uh, space for us to have this conversation. Of
0: course. Thank you so much. Thanks for tuning in to the Down Giants podcast. It was incredible listening to Dr. Narashahi's journey and his drive for excellence. I wanted to recap on some of his messages on leadership. Dr. Narashahi emphasizes that the biggest role as a leader is to create more leaders, not more followers. The goal of any leader should be to empower others to lead and support them along the way. Leaders should allow others to make mistakes and challenge and push for excellence. There's no growth if you're just comfortable all the time leadership matters, especially during times of crisis. A great leader will remind others to look up towards the horizon, work together, and build a strong culture within their organization by looking in a positive way. Finally, Dr. Nona Shahi likes to remind students and professionals not to lose sight of your why for entering the profession. If you like this episode, please leave us a review and give us a follow on Instagram at Dental Giants. We have a lot more planned for this podcast, so hit the subscribe button now so you won't miss new episodes. Thanks for listening, we'll see you in the next one, and of course, stay hungry and healthy.